Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your co-host along with Buck over at MMA Nerd. Buck, why don't you give a quick shout-out to our adoring fans? Hello, adoring fans. I am here and ready to talk about some fistfights, and I hope you are ready to listen. All right, that's a great start. So UFC 282 coming up this weekend on Saturday. Uh, was a really, really loaded card. I feel that, well, not I feel, I know that that they've lost some pretty significant fights. Uh, Yuri Prohashka, Glover Teixeira, but we have what I feel is well, who is going to be the eventual uh, light heavyweight champion of the world in Magomed Ankalov taking on Jan Blachowicz, Jan Bl- legendary Polish power, the former light heavyweight champ. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be, I feel there's a lot of redeeming fights on there. Um, you know, especially in the early fights, we're looking at Bryce Mitchell taking on Ilya Tapuria. Uh, we've got Darren Till versus, why don't you say this name? Because I screw this one up every time. Drickus Duplessis. Plessis. Uh, the third fight is an unknown contender taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. We're hoping for a late sub in on that one. Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon. And finally, the one that we were just talking about, Magomed Ankalaev taking on Jan Blahovich. So uh, without further ado, we're just going to be breaking down the fights, giving you our takes as to what we think is going to happen. So we're going to go ahead and just get started on this and kick off. Uh, why don't you start us off with uh, Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Teporia? I would love to talk about this fight. This is going to be awesome. Uh, the talent in this matchup is is off the charts. I'm so excited. Uh, Bryce Mitchell is an incredible wrestler, uh, a grappler, I think I should say. Um, he does work with the University of Arkansas's wrestling team, um, but I think primarily he's a jiu-jitsu guy, a grappler, cage grappler, and his top control and his pressure is awesome. I had, I, you know, I just fell into this habit of, underestimating him mm-hmm. as like this guy who spams tricky submissions. I, I, he got that awesome twister is the second twister ever in the UFC. And then in his next fight, he went for that same move probably four times. Like he tried to set up that twister again over and over again. And I thought, yeah, you're good. But if you're just going to act like a meme grappler, I'm, I'm not interested. And, and that's what I thought when he was matched up against uh, Edson Barboza in his last fight and Bryce Mitchell took Edson Barboza to school and it was not even close. That was an incredible performance. Nobody has just wrestled and controlled Barboza like that since Khabib. And, and I don't want to call Bryce Mitchell featherweight Khabib. I'm not calling him featherweight Khabib, but to put on that kind of performance, uh, a Khabib esque, performance against a fighter who's i mean edson barboza is such a threatening striker every single person he fights is going to try and take him down he knows that and he has developed a ground game and a stand-up game to 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 fight that and and he couldn't do anything bryce mitchell looked awesome but all of that said Ilya tapuria has been um i mean i mean he's undefeated they're both undefeated what I think Tapuria has more uh, than Mitchell is I think he's got more tools. Um, Mitchell's striking is pretty much in service of making his opponent back up into the fence so that he can initiate grappling exchanges and take him down and smash him into the cage. 
Tapori's got a lot more weapons. He strikes with his hands, body, head. He is in the pocket. He loves his grappling. He's got a bunch of really genuinely good submissions. He is a threat everywhere. And and I think being able to blend those two, striking in and his grappling, is going to give him an advantage against Mitchell, who just has to rely on that wrestling. Dominant as it is, one track is is not enough for this fight, I think. Yeah, and and I differ with you on what I think the outcome's going to be. Uh, Bryce Mitchell has proven himself many times over in my mind. Like I, I've constantly gone against Bryce Mitchell because I've always seen him as a uh, a one trick pony. But that one trick seems to be working quite effectively, and I feel like his stand up game is has come online a little bit better over the last about two or three fights. It's serviceable. And he's able to set up those, you know, uh, set up the takedown, put him up against the cage, at least have him worried on some level against his strikes. I don't believe he's ever had any knockouts. He's got nine submissions and six decisions, uh, 15 and 0. Uh, but Ilya, Ilya Teporia, I know he's a good ground guy. He's got a great ground game. And I know he's also a really good striker and he's able to blend those both together. But I don't see anything that's coming out of him, at least at this point with the, the, uh, you know, with the list of, of fighters he's gone against, I think his biggest win today is is Jai Herbert. Whereas, you know, we talked about Bryce Mitchell beating Edison Barboza. Uh, I don't know who else, you know, Andre Feely comes to mind. But I think that his skill set uh, and being able to push the pace forward and and he will have an, advan- an advantage with Ilya on the ground. I know that you believe that Ilya will not necessarily back up quite as much, but I think that Bryce's prices. That's a weird way to say that. But I think that his skill set lends to being able to not counter those necessarily, but at least have good enough hands to set it up, get him up against the cage, drag him down, uh, lay on him for the first round, second round, throw out some, you know, really good offensive combinations on the submit, you know, some slick submission attempts, get Ilya tired because and by the third round, Ilya is going to be so dependent upon his striking. He's going to start gassing himself out from being on the ground the previous two rounds. And I see this being uh, Bryce's Bryce's fight going through round three to a decision. You know, I that's pretty much how all of his other fights have gone, and I don't think that's wrong. Uh, I, I was looking through Bryce Mitchell's history, and that man has more ten eights on his record yeah. uh, from judges in scoring rounds than I have seen in a long time. He 10 eights, almost everybody he fights at least once. And some guys, he does it to him twice. I saw he had a, uh, 25 to 30 scorecard against, Oh gosh, it was his fight directly after, um, he got the, the twister. I mean, he just gets some dominant control on the ground. Um, yeah, he's next level. So I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, he is. But I, I just, I'm going to have to go with, the, the tools, I think Taporia just hits so hard and, and he's got a really solid ground game to back him up. I, I think he uses that ground game to stay on his feet, to get out of those scrambles and exit those clinch exchanges and, and focuses on keeping this fight standing. I think he can do it. Well, we have to disagree on that one, but we're going to move right along. Uh, next fight, Darren Till versus Drickus Duplessis. Right? Am I am I I'm saying that right? Excellent. All right. Excellent. All right. Why don't you take us through that one? Well, 
I, I, I think there's no way to prepare for this fight. I, there is too many unknowns, and they're all surrounding Darren Till. I have no idea what kind of Darren Till is going to show up for this fight. The whole saga of him becoming best friends with Hamzat uh, Chemaev over the last couple of the last year that has all happened since his last fight. We haven't seen any of the benefits of him go- leaving his team, uh, Team Calbon in Liverpool and going over to MMA All Stars in Sweden, where he's not the top dog anymore. He is the new guy, and he went over there to get worked, and they worked him. They beat the heck out of him over there, and that is so important for training to change things when you get stuck in the rut to to move or to go to a new class or to train with new people and to take yourself out of your comfort zone is imperative it's necessary well, he, and yeah. especially with Kamzat. i mean he's the, he's well, the yeah. big name and he he brings in a wrinkle to darren till's game that that we haven't seen in the past you know most of the time i've seen darren till lose is is directly related to his uh you know deficiencies on the ground he's primarily a muay thai striker um you know does primarily counter strikes and the biggest losses we saw was at Derek brunson um uh who was the the champ that he fought why is it blank tyron woodley Woodley, he lost handedly and so he's going to a gym now where not only does he get to focus on his striking but he's going toe-to-toe which i feel is one of the top five grapplers in the ufc and I see the way that he trains. So you know that's all coming over to Darren Till. So I think I'll, I'll completely agree with you. There's a lot of unknowns that are coming into this. Darren Till's 23 and 4. I think that we we often forget that because of his his rough run lately. Um, it seems like he's lost a lot more than that, right? But I I don't think we we put him up ever since his you know his knockout to Jorge Masvidal. I just don't think that we put him in the same light as we had before. Uh, but I think there's going to a lot that's going to change. And so tell us, what do you think about uh, Duplessis? Well, I think Duplessis is the known quantity here. He is a kickboxer through and through. That's what's gotten him all the way through his career. Uh, if you look at his record, he does have a bunch of submissions, but those are what I'm going to call Alistair Overeem submissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Overeem submissions are um, – when you have used your kickboxing or your striking enough that your opponent is injured or is dazed and they are going to panic shoot a takedown and they're going to try desperately to get out of this striking exchange by initiating a grappling one. And Overeem's got, I think, like nine guillotines. Um, and is it because he has excellent, you know, butterfly guard and is able to you know, navigate his opponent when they're sitting in, you know, on his shins and he can snap their head down and sneak a guillotine in. No, it's because they get rocked and he, they shoot for a panic takedown and he digs his arm under snatches up their neck and he lets him, lets him take him down and he chokes him out. And that's what Duplessis has. Um, submissions are submissions credit to him. Um, but I don't think that just because he's got all the submissions, that's indicative of him being like an all-star grappler. Mm-hmm. No, um, he's not. So he, yeah, he's going to keep it standing. Um, he's got pretty decent power. He's got big kicks from range. Um, he does like to blitz yep. in. Um, and, and even though Darren Till lost, 
um, in his fight, specifically I'm talking of Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker also likes to do these blitzes, and Darren made him pay big time in the first round. Um, and Rob had to totally change his strategy, and that and his ability to do that is what makes Whitaker such an incredible fighter. And I don't know that Duplessis is going to be able to replicate that kind of mid-fight adjustment. Um, he's good. He's got good strikes. He's got good defense. Um, you know, actually, I'm going to backtrack on that. I don't know how great his defense is. He stands very crunched over, um, which is kind of unique. Um, and he does that so that he can block his head with this big high guard. And, and even while doing that, his hands aren't super far away from his torso. So he can kind of, uh, bump between the two back and forth without really needing to sacrifice defending the other, but he is still pretty vulnerable to attacks on the open side. Um, open side being, uh, the side where you know his chest is facing when he's in a, a side-on stance. And Darren Till is a southpaw. Drickus Duplessis is a orthodox fighter. So Darren's biggest weapons are going to come from that open side. Um, and and Duplessis gets hit yep. on that side. So I, I think that is leading me towards picking Darren. But again, who knows what kind of game plan Till's going to come with. Is he going to be wrestling forward? Did he learn that much from Hamzat or, or is he going to just implement some of that as like a threat so that he can more, you know, uh, more carefully uh, implement his striking, you know, while having this like base to fall back onto. I, I don't know how Darren Till's going to act, but I, I think he does have the tools to get by Duplessis. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I think that his his natural tool set, right? He's primarily a counter striker. Uh, he's got you know good quick punches. He's he, he throws them straight. He's got good hooks, um, and we've got uh, Duplessis who is a blitzing striker. So just right then and there, you know, I think that there's a lot of tools at Darren Till, and also the fact that we, he's a known entity. We've seen his body work over the last several years, whereas Duplessis we've only seen with the last couple of years. I mean, he was a, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think if things start to go south for Darren Till, then he's going to have that new skill set that, you know, that I'm at least assuming he's going to have when training with Kamzat uh, with the takedown threat. And if he does start to do that, he's going to be able to help, you know, bring Duplessis guard down a little bit, maybe open up the midsection for a liver kick. Um, And if, if Duplessis is going to be, be charging in and blitzing, uh, I think he's going to sit back, back up, throw a couple of those, those crisp uh, left-hand straights, maybe a couple of hooks over the top. And if that doesn't catch him, he's going to go, go and, and, and shoot down for the takedown or even at least faint it and try and drop him. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to cause Duplessis to uh, hesitate as we get further and further into the fight, because what he normally does is not going to necessarily work against Darren Till. And I, you know, I always have to go with the, the fighter that has a little bit more experience in this case, a lot more experience at the highest level. Uh, than taking up the the shiny new up and comer, which I, I see Duplessis being on some level, uh, but I think Homeboy needs to work on his ground game and he needs to work on his cardio because he gets really tired in round three, and if he's doing a lot of blitzing against Till and he's getting caught on the way in, especially if he's taking any body shots, having to defend the takedown or you know lower his guard to to defend the takedown, I think that's going to wear in you know wear in his gas tank a little bit. 
So I'm also going to take yeah. Darren Till. He's uh, plus 160 if you're if you want to talk about the betting game. We believe in you, Darren. Yeah, we believe in you. Don't let us down. Yeah. All right. So next fight is one that hasn't necessarily been well. It's been canceled, but it hasn't been uh, pulled. Actually, is there new news? I've got yes. Um, the just saw right now as we are recording right, breaking news. Alex Morono. Yeah, Alex Morono. Um, who is a so a welterweight gatekeeper? Tough. Um, he's been good box called to fill in. Mm-hmm. Called to fill in uh, for Robbie Lawler, um, and he's going to be fighting Santiago Ponzinibbio in the featured bout. Uh, no, it's one before the co. So whatever that one is, is that featured? Yeah, whatever. Okay, I think so. In the third fight of the there night, Ra- uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio and Alex Morono. Um, That's actually a good fight. Morono's, yeah, Morono's good. Um, I think this is actually probably really appropriate for him. Um. He he's on kind of he's on a decent run right now. It's mostly against, um, you know, lower tier. And I, I say he that you know, as, Liang, with, right? as respect. He did not. No, I don't believe so. He I'm trying I'm to think of his last his fight right now. We're doing all this on the fly right he, now. So forgive us for not having all correct. of our facts in front of us. His last fight was at UFC 277. He fought Matthew Semmelsberger. Okay. Before that, it was Mickey Gall, David Zawada, Donald Cerrone. Gatekeepers row. Um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> he lost to Anthony Pettis, beat Reese McKee. Okay. So he's he's a serviceable um, welterweight right outside the top 15, I would say. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio is just sitting at about 13, if I remember off the top of my head. So that's a decent matchup. Uh I think that by preparing for Robbie Lawler, I think Ponzinibbio is still going to do fairly well. I don't know that Morono is going to put on too tremendously different of a game. I know that he's a pretty solid grappler, um, and knowing that he you know, doesn't have a ton of time to prepare for Ponzinibbio, yeah. he'll probably really rely on that grappling. So if Ponzinibbio can stay on his feet... And knows to expect those takedowns. Um, I think he can box Morona up pretty well. Question for you: What is the most ex- for you. What is the most exhaustive part of MMA? Oh, shooting for takedowns over and over and not getting anything. And what one of my biggest rules in when it comes to betting or picking MMA winners is: if you ever have a short notice fight, always, always, always go against the person that's short notice. And, and unless mm. unless Morono. You know, and I don't know this off the top of my head. If was he preparing for anyone? Was he brought up from another fight? Does it say? I don't believe so. I think okay. he was just so he was literally in his living room in his PJs, got a call, had been training, and now he's going to go fight. You know, Santiago Ponzinibbio was looking had all the 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 look of a, a title contender a few years back, and they took some time off. I don't remember exactly why he took that time off, but he did. I think he got sick. He got sick. I think he had like a illness, uh, like a pretty. He serious was gone for illness. a couple of years. Yeah, and he came back. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a blood infection. Was it okay? So he came back. Yeah, and and he did not look like the same Santiago Ponzinibbio that we are used to seeing. But you know, he's been training for this fight. He's trying to make a, a career resurgence. So without knowing a whole lot about it, I'm just going to go with my one of my top ten rules, which is don't take a short notice fighter in any way, shape, or form. I don't even know what the do you know what the odds are on this. I do not. They're not, probably they're probably not uh, even just, posted yet. 
Probably not. I just saw that he had been. Uh, they just got just brought got up contract. into the new as the replacement. That seems uh, that seems like a little bit of a desperate replacement to me. But I think it's a better fight than Robbie Lawler because I think Robbie Lawler is at the very end of his rope when it comes to high level competition. And I get concerned because he takes he eats three to give one, even though that one's usually a really good shot. But man, that guy's been through so many wars and he's 40 now. Not not yeah. where you want to be uh, at the elite level in MMA north of 40. This is this strikes me as the um Kamzat Shemaev, Nate Diaz sort of situation <laughs> where the card falls apart, but it's probably better that Nate Diaz doesn't have to fight Hamzat, and it's probably better that Lawler doesn't have to fight somebody who can bang as hard as Ponce yeah, does. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Boy, that was a really good mix uh, remix that they did on that card. Anyway, we don't want to go down too many random tangents right now. Next fight is Patty Pimblett, who's sitting at minus 245 versus Jared Gordon the famous Jared Gordon that most people have never heard of at plus 205. Why don't you walk us through your thoughts on this? Well, um, you know, I think they gave this fight to Patty because they think he can win. Um, he wasn't supposed to be the co-main event, but now he is. Showcase. And yeah, I think um, that he's got the whole marketing machine behind him right now. And Jared Gordon is good. Um they're all good. They're in the UFC. They they they're at least they're at least very dangerous. Better than, better but, than anyone listening, for sure, right? Well, we no, uh <laughs> Michael Chandler listens oh, to this podcast. That's, that's he's right. our, he's a he's a friend of the yeah, show. Big friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, Patty is um he's a genuine talent. Um he was great over in Cage Warriors. He's got really fun submissions. He's athletic, he's young, he he swings from his hips he really tries to bang on the feet and uh, and then initiate those clinch exchanges and use that judo to trip or throw and get his opponent down to the cage so he can work his magic um gordon is good he's got a brown belt he you know punches straight he likes his um you know he likes these straight counters um which is good especially because patty likes these big swinging shots um in Gordon's most recent loss, um, he lost to Grant Dawson, and he lost that because he got out-wrestled. Now, Patty's a grappler, not necessarily a wrestler, though. England doesn't have this, you know, tradition of, like, mm -hmm. youth wrestling programs that the United States does. Um, but he is a very serviceable grappler. He's a very talented grappler. You know, we were just talking about Bryce Mitchell, who also is not wrestling-focused. He was a... Uh, jiu-jitsu grappler primarily and his control is incredible um and yeah, so i've seen but bryce grew up wrestling yeah you know there's a yeah. difference there. i've seen gordon yeah. yeah i've seen gordon get controlled on the ground i've seen patty control good fighters on the ground i've seen him control good wrestlers on the ground yeah um He's... you know his his last opponent um who is that the monkey king i can't remember his name off the top of my head i don't remember either he is Jordan Levitt. Yeah. Um, Jordan Levitt's not the best striker in the world, but he's a very talented grappler. Um, he was a collegiate wrestler, wasn't Patty, he? I think he was. I think so. And and Patty handled him pretty well. Yeah. So fights like that make me think that, um, you know, I just don't think that Gordon's going to be able to keep Patty off of him. Uh, I think he's going to drag him to the ground. He might survive for a little bit, but that's going to really cost him. It's going to take a lot of energy. 
Um, and it's going to take a lot more energy than, than Patty's going to be putting out while he's, you know, controlling the position from on top. I think he's going to wear him down, choke him out, uh, first or the second round. Yeah. I mean, let's just be honest with this one. This is a showcase for Patty Pimblett. I don't think that his, if it weren't for his personality, he would not be the co-main event because his, his skill set is very, very good. Um, I, I think that he takes a lot of risks on the feet. That's going to really cost him against uh, once he gets north of the top seven or eight in the UFC. Uh, you know, his grappling can probably go toe to toe with most until he gets someone that's going to be a really good takedown artist. But where I see him really excel is in his creativity, his willingness to engage and his uh, his ability to scramble and hit those chain submissions. And so he's always a threat no matter where he goes. A lot of times it even looks like he's going to get, uh, you know, out grappled. You know, someone's coming around the back, about to grab onto his back as he turns around, throws on a guillotine, butterfly hooks him, you know, does a sweep and then submits him. And it's pretty incredible to watch. I just have a lot of concerns about what is going to happen when he goes against the, you know, Chandler's, Poirier's, those guys, so on and so forth. Cause he's, he's 155. So, I mean, he's going to be going up against, you know, murderers row. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Jared Gordon, who the, f- I mean, exactly. Right. I follow the sport a lot. I know who he is, but if we're talking about the casual fan, uh, this is a showcase piece to see how he's going to do against someone that's an, uh, an upper mid upper tier talent. And if he fly, you know, comes with flying colors, then they're going to give him a named opponent. But, you know, the UFC is doing a really good job on taking their premier talent, whether that be in the way they're performing in the ring or a combination of how they're doing in the ring uh, and their overall personality. Are they able to bring in eyeballs? And they're just doing a good job slowly bringing him along, unlike what you saw maybe five or six years ago where they were throwing him to the wolves right off the back. You know, can they sink or swim uh, at the elite level? So I think that the UFC, even though I don't necessarily agree with where its placement is in the card on the co-made event, I don't think he's there yet. I think the way that they're handling him and, and giving him a showcase piece, because I think he could be uh, one of the, if I know he already is, but he could be astronomically bigger in the next couple of years if he continues to win with his personality outside. Um, so I'm interested in seeing this. I definitely think that Patty is a, a, good, uh, a good chance of what I think he's going to win. Uh, he's minus 245. I think the odds there uh, seem right in line with what I would expect. Uh, anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, I was just going to follow up on that point that you were making about the UFC trying to pace these newer fighters. Uh, that's a mistake that they made with Darren Till. Darren Till came out of, uh, out of Brazil with an undefeated record, and he was chopping through all these guys that you've never heard of. Um, and then he got a big name in Donald Cerrone who was totally outgunned Stephen Thompson, um, maybe some home cooking in that decision. We don't, you know, you can always speculate, but, um, yeah, they pushed him right to the title and he got totally shut down by Woodley. And now in this newer generation, Sean O'Malley, Patty Pimblett, they are doing a much more slow burn with these guys. They want to get the wins. They want to get as much time, with them in the media spotlight to develop their legitimacy before they, you know, throw them into the, into the top five to fight Piotr Jan, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not always going to go like that. No. 
No, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're doing it's a good it's a good move by the UFC, good marketing move. All right, so let's move on to the main event. Uh, this is one that I'm I'm almost more excited for than watching Yuri Prohachka take on Glover Teixeira again uh, in Magomed Ankalaev versus Jan Blahovich. Magomed sitting at minus 265. Sorry, I'm trying to get these. I keep forgetting to read out the, the odds on it. And then Blahovich is plus 225. Uh, plus 225 probably seems about right for Blahovich. Um, that man is just cursed to be an underdog forever. Uh, and anytime he becomes a favorite, you better watch out because he's not going to do so hot then. Um, I am fascinated by Jan Blahovich. Um, the way he strikes, the way he hits is uh, brilliant. I really enjoy it. He's got this really strange build. Um, he has the upper body and torso of a heavyweight and and every other part of him is is built for a light heavyweight. and he uses this like weird giant chest and arms to land these really thumping punches uh, in really close range. Um, it's what he did to Rockhold. It's what he did to Corey Anderson. Uh, it's what he did to uh, Dominic Reyes. So he, I mean, he went three in a row basically and got three huge knockouts and he did it by punching inside range from really weird angles. He pushes his punches almost. Um, it doesn't look like the best form you've ever seen, but the way he can generate some pretty tremendous stop and power uh, in these really small windows is is really impressive. He punches like over his shoulder and down. He punches from the center of his chest out. He His hooks come from strange angles that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And, and that you've, all, you've heard it before, the punch that knocks you out is the one that you don't see coming. And that combined with just how massive of a hitter he is, is a, a serious threat. Um, and that's what got him all the way from being a, you know, a two and four fighter, you know, when he first got signed to uh, a hot win streak all the way up to the belt. Um, he's a good wrestler. He's a good grappler. He's got a black belt in jujitsu. Is it his primary skill set? No. Um, did he look really uncomfortable? On the ground underneath Glover Teixeira? Yes. Does Glover do that to everybody? Yes. Um, but I also think Ankalaev is a grappler of that level. Um, Ankalaev is a threat everywhere. He's really, truly something special. Uh, he strikes from range really well. He counters in combination really well. He low kicks mid combination and mid counter combination really well. Um, and that's just a lot of technical skill to change levels, change angles, change targets mid combination. Um, and Uncle Live is really good at that and gets a lot of KOs from counters inside exchanges. Um, and that lines up with what Blahovich likes to do. Blahovich will close the distance with these like blitzes with these big heavy hands and then. Once he crashes into you, then he'll initiate, you know, uh, a grappling exchange by pulling onto the back of your head with like an over under clinch, landing body shots so that he can strike from the break with a big hook. Um, he 
it, he gets caught doing that. Um, Blahovich's last knockout loss was to Tiago Santos, who caught him doing that exact thing. He was Blahovich charged in, um, trying to set up um, a clinch after throwing some big strikes as he was advancing. Uh, Santos got out of the way, dinged him, and that was that. Um, and and Ankalaev has got that kind of power as well. So this, you know, this could go to Blahovich. Blahovich always has a puncher's chance. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to stay in counter and combination is great, but if just one of Blahovich's punches hits you, that totally changes the 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 nature of the fight. It becomes a different sort of you know conflict when you get hit by somebody who hits like Blahovich. It is a puncher's chance, um, and and he's it's a good chance, but I I just can't pick uh, Blahovich for having a puncher's chance when, when uncle live has so many more tools and, and has shown so much skill in the very areas that Blahovich has been exploited. So yeah, I'm going to have to go with uncle live. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you say puncher's chance, I, you know, Magomed took on Tiago Santos and got absolutely lit up. I think it was at the end of the third round and he came mm-hmm. back and he still won that fight. And I know, and I, I believe that Santos hits harder than, almost anybody in the division, including Jan Blahovic. Personal opinion, you know, just on the way that guy's been starching people. Uh, Haven't been hit by either of them, so yeah, I couldn't I could tell, tell you. I'm just based on the on the visuals. So I think that what I'm trying to say is, yeah, he's got a puncher's chance, but that may not be his best route to victory. Uh, I think it's going to take some a little bit of that and a little bit of luck. So Magomed is 19-1. and one. Uh, He's 30 years old. Blahovic is 38-9, and nine, and he's 39 years old. A couple of my, my overall rules when I'm picking fights is anyone that's north of 35, we start to see their speed, timing, power, cardio begin to slip. Anything past 37, oftentimes, not with everybody, but we see the will to win begin to fade. Blahovich has had a hell of a career. He came in uh, as a hot prospect, absolutely underperformed, and really had his coming out party against Luke Rockhold that everyone wanted to see get his face smashed at 205. And that's really what kicked off that that big run that Blahovich has had. Uh, Magomed comes from Dagestan. And if you follow the sport at all, or if, even if you don't follow the sport, you'll know that Dagestani fighters right now have a skill set that seems to be uh, a counter to most of the other MMA skill sets in the game right now, which is combat sambo. Uh, 25 years ago, it was Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 15 years ago, it was wrestling. And now I believe that combat sambo is really the the premier or the the, the skill set that hasn't necessarily been solved yet. I had Magomed tagged as the next title holder about two years ago after watching his first fight with Ayan Kutaleba. And he has not disappointed since then. Uh, I think the biggest knocks against him is that he oftentimes can be a little bit uh, do just enough to win the fight, uh, being the, the key one. And, you know, outside of, outside of him almost getting knocked out by Tiago Santos, I haven't seen him lose a round except, except him losing, uh, the, the, the famous, he was in the third round, lost the fight by tap out to Paul Craig at four minutes and 59 seconds, which is the very last second in the fight. Incredible timing. Don't think he could ever pull that off again, but uh, that's really the only, you know, chinks in the armor that I've seen out of, and that's even, you know, that's just bad luck there. So when I look at this fight, it's minus 265 plus 225. 
I think that this is an absolute dead on lock for Magomed Ankalaev to take this, hold the belt. I think he's better than Yuri Prohoshka. I think he's better than Glover Teixeira. And then outside of those guys, I don't really know who the next big up and comer is that, that looks like he has any ability to take on Magomed. Like, who, is there anyone else you think at 205 that has a shot? Uh, Ryan Spann's been looking all right lately. Yeah, that's a big, that's a, <laughs> that's a big gap to cover um, right there. Yeah, I think uh, once you, you know, if you can beat the top three there in Prohaska, in Blahovich, and uh, get where you're at, uh, if you're in Uncle Ives' position, I think one or two more fights and, and you're pretty set. Um, and I don't think too much is gonna threaten him at the top at least for a couple of years yeah i mean i think yuri's got a good enough skill set but he's just too wild and um that's not to discount what yuri's done he's looked good but you know he almost lost to glover to glover's north of 40 um nothing glover can do about that but we're talking about people that the next generation people that have been training in combat sports since they were in diapers are now coming up and competing in mma and we're starting to see that in the you know late twenties, early thirties uh, age range. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun fight to watch. I'm excited to see what kind of uh, performance Magma does. Magma does because this is going to be a good chance for him to win a lot of fans, and and he needs that. He's just not as big of a draw at this point. He just hasn't won enough fans because of his his safe performances in the past, and also because he doesn't speak English. You know, I think that's a big hit. <laughs> Uh, you know, trying to break into the American mainstream is when you don't speak speak any English. So, you know, I I I think I've agreed with everything you're saying about um, Ankalaev, um, and it does really sound like he's just the Islam Makhachev of light heavyweight. Um, I just you know I'm I'm thinking back on Blahovich's career, um, and. You know his performance against Israel has has really stood out to me. Um, I know there's a lot to be said about him being naturally so much bigger than Israel, but he was really holding his own on the feet, and and it was very impressive. Uh, Israel is pretty much, you know, one of the best strikers that we've seen in in MMA since Anderson Silva in his prime, and mm-hmm. to put on a striking performance that frustrates and and really weakens a, a striking game as complex and as complete as Adesanya's is something that I'm very very impressed with the angles the timing he Blahovich has good feints he checks his kicks he parries his strikes so he can get in in the middle of combinations and Again, it's just the odd angles from what he punches with. Uh, Blahovich didn't get the belt by accident. Um, no. I think Ankalaev is doing, is probably going to win, but I, I am going to say that this is going to be his most impressive win if he gets past Blahovich. Yeah, I mean, and he's also you know, he's fighting for the title. And and I agree with you. Blahovich looked pretty good. I mean, he looked really good against Adesanya, but this is a different game. He's got someone that's going to be fighting up against him that's equal his size. Uh, and also he's a, a massive threat on the ground. So I think the entire approach by Blahovich is not going to be to try and go toe to toe with Magomed 
uh, or excuse me, Magomed's not going to go toe to toe with Blahovich. He's going to try and set up takedowns. Was that something that Blahovich did not have to worry about at all when it came to Adesanya? So I think it's going to be a little bit of a different fight, a little bit. I think it's going to be a dramatically different fight uh, than that one. But yeah, let's both agree. Blahovich is damn good. And he seems to be um, one of those ageless wonders. I hope it continues because he's a really fun guy to watch. I just don't think that he's going to be able to compete against the next generation. Fair point. All right. Fair point. So that wraps up UFC 282. Um, you got big plans this weekend? What are you doing? Uh, we're taking a, a little break from the regular tradition, and we're hosting it here. I'm going to get a bunch of friends over. We're all going to make make dinner and and cook together and and celebrate with some fist fights. Fantastic. I got a little bit different. We got a bunch of Christmas parties coming up, but that being said, I always find a way to watch, and it's probably going to be upstairs or hiding in the bathroom at that point in time. Uh, want to say thank you to everyone for taking the time to listen. We, uh, we enjoyed presenting it to you. Hopefully you guys got something out of it. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights and we will be back with you again, uh, for UFC 283 in January. So look forward to that. Um, I guess we're going to sign off at this point. So everyone have a great weekend.